0: Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Couch Critics MMA podcast. This is an interview episode with professional boxer Isaac Hardman. He's also a undefeated professional MMA fighter with 9-0. and He has a big fight coming up April 23rd against Mark Lucas. We talked to him about that and a lot more. Yes, yeah, sir. So he's the current Australian middleweight champ. IBF Australasian Champ and WBO Oriental Champ as well. So his record's speak for itself. Oh yeah, and he has a highlight reel for the ages. It's <laughs> a really good conversation, guys. I know you'll get some value out of it. He's a really, really good dude and we love talking to him. Before we get into it though, thank our sponsors IQ Brew and Fatboy Fight Gear for helping us do what we do and keep pushing out the content for you. So here it is, guys. I hope you enjoy. So... Most people that know you, man, know you've got a big fight coming up on April 23rd, which we'll dive into a bit later. But before we do, man, we're intrigued to hear your story, how it began, where your journey began, because it, it wasn't always in boxing, was it?
1: No, no, definitely not. Um, geez, my story. So okay. I'm just a kid from Cabo, Caboolture. Um, I started, I was a big footy head, so I played footy, and that was my dream, was to be in the NRL playing footy, so I loved footy. And then, um, my dad was a uh, professional boxer, and he he um passed away to pancreas cancer when I was thirteen years old. And wow, um, wow. I had a relationship with my dad. Um, he he wasn't with mum at the time, so he would go visit dad every second weekend. And I've got a twin brother who was touted as you know the boxer coming through the family, and an older brother as well. And I just loved my footy, and I was a mum's boy. And um, yeah, when dad had passed away, you know, I've become bit more of a man 18 19 and wanted to sort of connect with dad and um you know do something he had done and I, I figured I loved the UFC at the time I used to you know watch on field tv the ultimate fighter house you know the two episodes on a Saturday night at 10 o'clock um you know so I thought you know I'll do something in uh relation to like combat sports so I thought MMA I went down to an MMA gym and um you know I fell in love with it so um uh, I never left. I got masks handed to me the first couple of sessions, and just kept going back and going back. Um, and you know, had some mentors throughout the process, some good ones, and then I finally found Adrian Pang at Integrated MMA, and that's where it really took off. I become a professional, and went went on a bit of a tear here in Australia, um, becoming nine and zero in um Australian MMA with three Australian titles. Um, you know, got the fight in China. I've cornered people in the UFC in New Zealand. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, trained alongside some of the best guys in Australia. You know, Damian Brown. You know, I fought uh, Jamie Malarkey, who just fought on the weekend and got his first win in the UFC. And
2: yeah, um, yeah
1: and then what? What happened? Um, I was right on the cusp of um, you know uh, signing with the UFC. I had um, Alex Volkanovsky. His name's Reese Delcini. He was in the um, in the gym. He flew in from um sydney and uh wanted to meet with us and he had a sit down i had a scheduled fight against um one of the boys from city kickboxing um hmm. i don't remember his name but, yeah um and i was just meant to i was an xfc title defense and um i was you know i needed to win that fight obviously and mma is mma anything can happen but um i was pretty comfortable with winning that fight and then he said mate don't talk to anyone i'll um i'll sign you to the ufc i'll get you in and um you know, I was two weeks out from that fight, and I went and done um went and played touch footy, and I uh, blew out my ACL. I
2: no, really you're kidding. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, my whole uh, world come crashing down on me. I was you know 21 years old, um, and just thought that was the end. And uh, I had to you know do my rehab. It cost me 12 grand. I wanted to get it done straight wow. away. I Got the surgery done. You know, uh, a a week and a half after I'd done it. Um. And I got straight back on the horse and did all my physio very diligently. And still the plan in recovery was to come back and be in the UFC because that was I was right there. He told me I was on. I was getting, you know, Adrian Sean Shelby was messaging Adrian Payne saying, is Isaac ready? When's Isaac good to go? And this was while I was recovering. So they knew exactly who I was. And um so I'd done my recovery and I just wanted to um get it back out in front of a crowd, blow the cobwebs out. Um and uh, then you know I have a MMA fight in this one to UFC. So you know in the midst of my MMA career, I had two professional boxing fights. On you know, first one was on three days' notice. I was moving houses, yeah. and my old girlfriend she wanted the Dyson vacuum cleaner. I wanted it, so I gave it to her. And I wanted to, I had to go down and fight, and I was going to get a Dyson vacuum cleaner with my um, purse money. So that was the whole idea of <laughs> the fight. Um, and I happened to win that in the first round, first minute, um, by knockout, And then same thing with the second fight as well. They flew me in on four days' notice, um, and I knocked him out at light heavyweight as well. So at this time, wow. I was actively competing in MMA at 70 kilos. Um, I was taking these fights at 80 kilos in boxing, so light heavyweight 79.8. So wasn't yeah, cutting any weight, just going in there for really, essentially, a paycheck, and I didn't really care if I won or lost. Uh, but moving forward to the injury and coming back, I still didn't – Really, no, I wasn't even a fan of boxing. You know, dad was a boxer, but the only people I really knew were the names in boxing, you know, Floyd Mayweather, Canelo Alvarez. I wasn't even keen on the Jeff Horn fight in Pacquiao here in Brisbane when that was on. Um, Yeah, yeah, so I signed this fight and I fought on the undercutter um, Paul gallon John Hopewadi, And again, it was just to get out in front of a good crowd, get the nerves out after nine months layoff with my knee. Um, and then go back into MMA and uh, I fought and fought well. I uh, beat and knocked out another um, highly touted amateur and someone that was, you know, doing really well in his sparring and I wasn't meant to, meant to win again. And um, I, I performed really well. And the, the manager at the time, Dean had blew in because he was trying to sign Tim Zhu to a promotional contract and whatnot. And he, I caught his eye and he reached out and um, we had some meetings back and forth and he, presented a contract that I couldn't say no to, you know, for the money and the platform he was giving me um, compared to what I was getting. Even, you know, the line he he put on me, um, you know, to get me over the edge, he's like, mate, if you want to make 50,000, 100,000, go find the UFC. If you want to make millions, sign a deal with me and be a boxer. And I said, fuck, you know, how can Mm -hmm. you not? And for me, it's um, doing something I love, which is competing in a sport that, you know, the one percentile of um, the population does, you know, not many people do this sport and I want to do it at the best of my ability. And I just get out there and do something not everyone does. And um, that's fighting. So whether it be MMA, I've kickboxed as well. I fought in Thailand, um, Muay Thai, you know, boxing, MMA, um, it's just that ultimate test and that's what I like to do. And, and then, if it makes money, it makes sense, right? So um, I'm scary. not going to do something for pennies. Like, this is a fucking hard sport, and um, you know I've seen too many people get burnt, uh, not not getting the money they deserve um, for a sport. Really, that should be paid. Um, you know, fuck, you can hit a ball into a little hole in golf and get paid millions, or you get into a yeah. ring and box, and you know it should be the sport that's paid the most. So um couldn't agree
0: more. That's right. You. That's why I did it. So this this all happened over a pretty quick period, over a couple year period. Is that so did you did you always want to did you know you always wanted this is what you wanted to be a professional athlete, to be competing at the top level? Was it always a dream of yours or did it just sort of it just happened that way?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I always said that, um like my Mates from Caboolture back home growing up, going to school, always say, say, I'll be in the, I'll be a professional fighter. You know, that was the joke at school in the UFC or a professional footy player. My plan was to be a professional footy player and make the crossover to MMA. That was my whole idea. But I, yeah, but I always wanted to be a professional um, athlete. I I feel like um, that's what I wanted to do. Nothing else sort of suited me at school. Um, Yeah, definitely professional. um, That's, the only sort of avenue i sort of was taken and that's the way i was setting my schooling up and um yeah. the, the way i envisioned it
3: cool so it's it pretty safe to say if you didn't have that knee injury right now you'd probably be fighting in the ufc pretty much
1: absolutely 100 percent still going with the ufc yeah yeah um and it's that's the thing it's such a cutthroat business the uh ufc like yes yeah, I I um was I'm nine and zero with seven of those um you know stoppages um high yeah. punches. So um you know I was yet to be put on my back and be having to be in a real sort of grappling match. So you know if I was to get into the uh, UFC, maybe come up against a mad Kazakhstani or a European that, that rest of me, and me being from Australia, really um. No, and if I lose, bang, I'm just thrown to the back of the line and become yeah. essentially like yeah. a card filler, which yep. is really shit. Um, and that's what I didn't want to happen. So, um, but yeah, for sure, if the knee didn't blow out, I would have signed to the UFC and I would have been in the UFC. And I guarantee, like I know that within myself, I've, and whether it went good or bad is uh, another hard another question. But um, yeah, it's hard to say. But I definitely would have um, signed to the UFC for sure.
3: Cool. So the, the knee injury was kind of a blessing in disguise. Look at you now, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. All these massive fights yeah, in Australia. 100%. It's going good for you.
1: Yeah, for sure. It has definitely been a um, blessing in disguise. And I just feel like it's aligned um, with everything else that's happened in my life. You know, I've built my first um, home. Uh, I proposed to my fiance, um, I miss it. So I feel like if I was take down the May road, maybe all that stuff didn't, wouldn't have happened. So um, Whoa. the boxing journey has definitely put me on where I am today. and. I'm um I'm very thankful for that. Yeah.
0: Is it is it still a passion of yours though the MMA and do you ever oh, see yeah. down the line you going back and 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 dabbling yeah, in, sure. in MMA fights again?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. One of my main trainer partners, he works at the gym. Dan Hill just fought for the Eternal Lightweight title and um. Oh, yep. yes, I'm yeah. still a massive um massive fan of MMA. I still watch the uh fights, the UFC fights. Um, and for sure, my idea now has changed again. Is like um, you know, McGregor did the crossover from UFC to boxing. He didn't have the boxing credentials to come over and be successful. Whereas the way I think about it now is um, I've got the backing in MMA. You know, I'm 9-0, uh, three-time Australian champion. When I go win my Australian title, uh, my world title in boxing, um, I put my hand up and say, listen, I've got the, um, you know, the skill set in MMA to come over straight into the UFC and potentially fight for, you know, a UFC title straight off the bat after being a, you know, the way I think about it is like imagine yeah. if Canelo Everest was a you know, undefeated MMA prospect five, ten years ago and um decided to put his hand up and say, I want to fight in the UFC, they would just make that much money, it would be ridiculous oh, yeah. and the Fuck, the yeah. viewers would be crazy. Imagine if Canelo Everest could wrestle and grapple and kick and all Absolutely. that stuff. It'd be fucking sick. So um that's the way I think about it. <laughs> Definitely after I, you know, win that world title in boxing and um, you know, set my family up financially and my uh, the people that have helped me along the way. I need to scratch that itch for sure. And I'm, I'm not putting that to bed until I tick that off. And so, you know, because I set out that dream when I was, you know, after my dad passed away, 14, 15 years old, I said I'd be in the UFC. So um, I need to tick that box for sure. Whether That's it be awesome. a successful crossover or a successful journey, no doubt I'll be in four ounces again with the UFC across them.
3: Awesome.
0: That's um, cool. I watched your title defense against Rob Hill the other night yeah. and, I don't think many people will argue if you getting a title shot after seeing that, especially if you're boxing. Yeah, yeah. As well. That's one of yeah, the craziest so, knockouts um, I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Um, that, was, uh, that was sweet, that one. It was one of my favourites. Uh, I didn't even hit that hard. It was just one of those right. perfect shots I let go. So, um, yeah, imagine um, – and I feel like boxing is the ace card, you know, the trump mm. card, sorry, that, and a good wrestling base you know, really hurt some MMA guys because um that's the whole thing with flying me in on these three days notice these boxing guys they think MMA guys can't uh, you know punch on and really tradition like you know going back their 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 hands aren't as sharp as like a traditional boxer, right? So um I feel like that is my uh bread and butter. And then when I square away the wrestling, you know, it's all gravy baby. I'll go in Man, there yeah, and rip, no. rip people's heads off.
0: Can't wait to see it, bro. So, how did you find? How did you find the actual transition into pro boxing? Was it a, you because your style was pretty, you know, striking heavy. Did you find it pretty smooth transition straight away? Yeah, or? Yeah,
1: my, yeah, for sure. My, my style is very boxing dominant. Um, It was it was pretty seamless for me. So uh, even like the workload, like like, the training is nicer. I must admit, um, the boxing training. Um, you know, there's not as many niggly injuries in training. You know, yeah, in MMA, there's so many things you got to cross. You know, grappling and your neck's always kinked or you frigging your elbows already a little bit sore. You know, stuff like that. Whereas the workload in boxing, it's a lot more trauma through like on the head and stuff like that because the sparring is um, the pace is a lot different and. Um, you know, the, the punches thrown per round inspiring is a lot more to, you know, your MMA rounds um, at the yeah. gym. So, you know, mixing in te- takedowns and grappling and stuff like that. So um, the 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 training is a lot nicer. I like the boxing training um, and there's not as much super serious conditioning. Like I still lift weights and do my explosive work, but the grueling and stuff is, I've found it's a little bit. And, and still, again, me and my coach are, and on the job as well so we uh
2: yes.
1: you know try things and see what works for us as well so but the the crossover is very seamless for me it was easy
0: so you're at nitro boxing right
1: yeah nitro boxing
0: so when did you get linked up with them guys was it were you training there in your mma career as well or
1: just yeah yeah boxing? definitely so blair Dudley was like my striking coach through and through from the start um yeah. adrian paying their best mates um so Adrian comes into Nitro for his uh, boxing and striking and does his conditioning. We so got a full weight stream there, and yeah, I was just I had lost to Jamie Malarkey and I was weak as piss back then, and um, you know, I had a body like a girl. My hips were wider than my shoulders, and um, <laughs> yeah. So Blair said, "Mate, you need to come in and do some weights if you're super serious about this." Um, and I did, and I he gave me a job, and um, now he's quickly he quickly become a real strong mentor for me. And now we have like this father son relationship. So um, like I said, my dad had passed away when I was 13, 14. So I didn't have that man in my life that I needed, but he is honestly, I get emotional talking about him because he means so much to me, but um, yeah, he's the reason I am who I am today for sure.
3: That's awesome, man. That's That's amazing. I've got a random question just to throw in. Um, Do you still keep up with your roles as well? do you still do a little bit of MMA training when you're obviously not in camp when you're out of camp or you've just kind of put it all aside at the moment?
1: Nah, put it all aside at the moment. I still was tampering a little bit. uh, But um, Blair sort of said, mate, that session, even if it's, um, you know, cruising, no purpose to it, it takes away from your boxing. Whereas you could be like Mm. having no purpose and cruising on a pad session, which will eventually make you better in uh, boxing, which is what I'm trying to do. So, yeah. Um, you know, I used to, you know, train, uh, I do PT, so um, you know, I'd have people come in and want to learn a little bit here and there, but I've sort of all nipped that in the butt as well. So, um, I put everything into the uh, the bag of boxing, so but definitely, you know, um, down the track, you know, on the piss, maybe after a fight, I'll. Um, show dan hill i've still got it too yeah,
0: right. <laughs> Love that. dan hill is coming for you
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: nah um, i want to dive into your camps a little bit man i'm always intrigued how guys schedule things so i'm curious how long roughly do you give yourself for a camp sort of eight weeks
1: yeah eight weeks is what we um all my like running sessions are scheduled on my spire and my um uh different phases my weights phase um training is based on like a 10 week um 10-week program so that's four weeks at the start of heavy stuff and then we go into different phases explosive speed and then taper off towards the end but um it is generally based eight to ten weeks
0: definitely and how do you how do you split that up with your strength and conditioning how many days a week do you do that and then how often are you sparring in and also out of camp
1: so in camp like at the start it's um you know always three uh uh, we got a running session um, three runs a week. uh, and then that's two weight sessions a week. And then there's still boxing every day. So every day, 10 o'clock is um some sort of boxing trainer, whether it be on the pads, bag or whatever, or skills work is my first session and the second session for those days. On a Monday, Wednesday, Friday or three days of the week will be a run. And then second session on the other days will be a strength session. Um, And then a Saturday is sort of like a freestyle session where we'll go maybe run out the trails or something like that. So um always two sessions a week and then Further out from the camp, it's about, you know, two sparns two sparns a week, you know, six to eight rounds. And then when we get into the meat of it, which is now, like last week, I sparred three times a week, um, six, uh, eight to ten rounds. Um, yeah. And then we start sort of – that's the meat of the camp. And then this next – my last hard week of training, we'll sort of pull the rounds back yeah. to about six. So I'm staying sharp um, and and the weight coming off as well. You don't want to get those injuries coming in towards the fight. So, um yeah, it's always yeah. two sessions a week. Two to three sparring a week, depending on where we are in the camp, and always those running and conditioning sessions. Yeah, cool. That's so awesome.
0: on on that, we've seen you done some rounds with Timmy Zoo as well sparring. What's that experience like going up against someone that heavy oh, as well?
1: Yeah, unreal. And um, he, uh, I was a little bit naive um when he first come in because he's a super welterweight and I'm a middleweight and I'm a big middleweight. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and I traditionally, MMA guys they cut a fair bit of weight, and I still have that mentality of like I'm a big middleweight, um, so I still do a bit of a weight cut, but yeah, so Tim Zo I was thinking I'll be able to, if worse comes to worse and he's tailing me up, um, I would be able to hold on to him or push him around and be stronger and physical, more physical than him, but um, that definitely wasn't the case. He's uh. From the get go, his whole team is so professional, and they're there for a um, you know, they're there for business. They're not being friendly or anything. Not that they're not friendly; they're great guys. The whole camp is um very friendly. But like when he walks into the gym, hi, how are you? And he went over into the corner, got his hands wrapped, did a fucking thirty minute warm up. Whereas I touched my toes, went side to side, and I was <laughs> to go, sort of thing. Um, but that's definitely something we learnt. Um, and I take into the approach of sparring now is how professional Tim is. He's there for a- um, business,
2: business and it's a
1: purpose yeah, yeah for yeah. sure and he's not fucking around when he's in there and he really didn't fuck around the first time we sparred. we did um 10 rounds so we did about 40 rounds together and that was my first time experiencing 30 second rests in between uh rounds whereas at the gym at nitro we have a 45 second timer mm-hmm. in between yeah. rest and previously to that we used to go to. i've been done rounds with jeff horn and dennis hogan they have minute rests so um, we thought right. we had a leg up on the competition doing forty-five second rest, and um, uh, I remember leaning over the, the rope saying, "Eagle, Tim's coach said Do you want forty-five seconds or a minute rest," and he he screamed at me. He said thirty seconds, always thirty <laughs> seconds. I said, "Oh fuck, all right, Changed the timer, thirty-second rest," and it really buckled me. Um, yeah. you wow. know, he gave it to me that first uh, ten rounds. Um. But then he came come back and we, we, uh, it got better and better. So as we, yeah. uh, I settled in and started listening to what I needed to do and adjusting, it got um, very competitive towards the end. And he was traveling from the Gold Coast to Brisbane, um, you know, to come do the round. So that speaks in itself.
0: Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's really awesome. interesting and some good insight that people can get a lot out of the, the business approach and, and the hard work towards yeah. it. Yeah. That's sick.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: What did you think of his performance on Wednesday night against Dennis Hogan?
1: Unreal. Um, when when he was scheduled to fight Jeff, we had a few people in the gym saying it would be too much, and I firsthand have been in the ring with that guy, and he is something else. Um, you know, I'm bigger than him, but he is—he doesn't miss. He's um so fit, and like the constant pressure, the way he fought us the way he spars, and like I just couldn't see him losing to Jeff or Dennis. I said that Dennis, he'll beat Dennis under in six rounds. Mm. Um. I thought he's just going to be too big, too strong, um, and he was. He he was yeah. clinical. I think to start with, he was he really wanted. He looked like he was trying to brain Dennis, like get him out of there early, and um, and he was swinging him a little bit too hard. I think it looked a little bit scrappy, but when he settled in, and got on to his straight punches again, hitting the body, he settled in and um, yeah, dismantled him. But to start with, it looked like he was, you know, when you try and throw a punch really hard, you seem to miss a little bit, just a yeah. little bit, and you just let them go. They're the ones that sort of come off. So when he settled in, and he even said that he was a little bit um, scrappy to start with, um, but when he settled in, he really settled in and found his mark.
0: Yeah, so you, that's awesome. You mentioned Tim's fight with Jeff Horn. There, you fought on the co-main event. Of that was that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was. I was, it... was co main against Jamie Weech. Uh, ah,
0: yeah. yep, yep. Would you say that. that? Yeah. Would you say that's the biggest moment? of your boxing career so far does that stand out above the rest
1: yeah for sure being the co-main to tim zoo jeff one that was cool and um my my fiance, she's from townsville so it's like a second home so we had um, a lot of support up there um and walking out to i think there was like fifteen fifteen thousand people in that stadium um it was just something else you know i fought in front of um you know, I fought at Bendigo Stadium on the Horn Zarafa, the first one, and I think that was like 4,000. Galen Hopawaddy was about 4,000, and they were cool crowds, but walking out um that runway to um the Townsville Stadium was something else, and the way I beat that guy was, um you know, the cherry on top. He was formerly yeah. ranked in the top 15 of the world with the IBF, and again, people kept telling me it'd be too much, it's too soon for me, He'd triple my experience, and um he's a veteran, and... He'd be able to show that against a you know someone that I've never had an amateur boxing fight either. So I'm eight fights mm. in, and that's the only boxing I've done. Crazy. I had a three uh, one night tough man competition where I fought three people in one night and won that. But other than that, I've had no boxing experience, and all that's these crazy, people kept mate. telling me, it would be too much," and I knocked him out in the first round. So which is good.
3: That's mad. Okay. How long do you reckon until we see you headlining some of these big events in Australia?
1: A year from now, I guarantee mad. it. A year from now is what's in my um in my sight so uh I, when I get to 10 and I, 11 and I, that's a little bit more um acceptable to be on Foxtel with um yeah. you know a headline I feel like I could headline now you know, with yeah. uh potential like a good opponent like a Zarafa or there's Eman yeah. Carlos in Melbourne and that Eman's 12 and 1 Zarafa you know he's had plenty of fights but I feel like if I got it's the the dancing partner too you know you got to have to uh, create noise and get you that headline position. But I feel like I've got enough um, support and enough eyes that want to watch me win or lose for that fact um, to be a headline act. And maybe not, uh, definitely not. I feel like I'm not pay-per-view star yet for sure. No, no one's buying a Hardman pay-per-view yet, but you know, um not yet anyway, but NBS has like a free to Foxtel card, you know, on yeah. the Saturday night or Friday night. And I feel like I've been them. So, um, uh, Definitely, for sure. But in a in a year, I'll be a paid star, I'm telling awesome.
0: you, it's awesome. So you mentioned a little there ago, Dean Longanen. So is he is he the one that runs NBS? Was it? And how? am yeah. Curious about that whole situation. How how much does he help your career and getting these big fights?
1: Yeah, he's a man that uh, got Pacquiao over here for the horn fight. He promoted that fight, he promoted uh helped promote um Parker to the AJ fight. He's been oh, yeah, in the wow. business a long time. So um uh he's got all the money. So um he puts <laughs> all the big shows on. Uh and I know that. But he's a he's a promoter too. So I have a good relationship with Dean. He's a he's a great bully. Um, we have a very transparent relationship and he doesn't fluff me around and I don't fluff him around. But um He's a man I need to be with, and I understand that to get me these fights because right now, fighting me is, um, you know, say uh, Zarafa. You know, it's it's a hard fight for him, me being 8 0, him being where he is. um, He's in the top 10 in the world. Um, But I feel like I'd beat Zarafa. But in saying that, like, he's going to want a a fuckload of money to fight me or put all that risk on the line to fight me. And Dean's the guy in Australia, Australian boxing, to be able to pay that amount of money to get these guys. And even though, um, You know, the opponents I get, they they get paid double what I do because of the risk. And, you know, it, that's what gets them over the line to fight me. You know, you know 10 grand here, I actually give him 15. Uh, that'll entice him to take the fight a little bit easier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas, yeah, like right. if Absolutely. I'm with someone else and they get like, it's a risky fight, five, six grand, no fucking way. All right, double it. Give him 15. All right, yeah, I'll take the fight.
0: Yeah. High risk, high risk put, low reward in a yeah. sense. Cause they're gonna yeah,
1: that's put on a right. reel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um <laughs> for now, but another three fights, uh, I'll probably have the people chasing me, you know, the mm. the younger guys coming up wanting that fight with me. And then again, eh, the roles are reversed. Do I want to fight someone that's 5 and oh for not much reward? Um, uh, or yeah. that's where I'll be on to chasing those top 10 guys in the world for world titles. So, there's always, that's what I said, you know, there's always uh, bigger fish to fry Like Zarafa's trying to get the zoo fight. I want mm. to get the Zarafa fight, you know. So and Zoo's trying to get the world title fight with Castana. So uh, there's always bigger fish to fly. So you know, yeah. is what it is. That's the game we're in for sure. Yeah, so we'll
0: we'll move on to April twenty third. Then Your fight Mark Lucas. When when did you get approached with that fight? And what did you think of the matchup initially?
1: Um, I got he actually. Really, I was trying to get uh Manuel Carlos to fight, um, but he got tied up with Kings of Combat. Um, and then the day he told me he can't make it, um, Mark Lucas direct messaged me and said, Oh, look, I want to come back for a fight. I want to fight the best in the division. Um, if you're willing, I'm more than happy to do it. And I just said, "Fuck, you're a legend, mate, let's do it. So it was pretty easy, really. Um, the way it should be, two men in a sport where you fight each other want to fight. Why can't I? I said to my promoter then, I said, if you can't make this fight happen, I'll quit and go fight and then make I know I'll get a fight there. Mm-hmm. So um, they made it happen, um, which is, you know, if it couldn't happen, it's just something's going wrong behind the scenes. So, but it happened and I was initially like I said a year ago. I put up a story and I only just got the arc, like you know, the memory. Um, I put up. I was just outside the top ten in the uh, middleweight division. And I said, "There's one fight in here that's hard fight, but I'd still steamroll him." And I was talking about Mark Lucas. So, um,
2: yeah,
1: you know, that, that's funny to me because that was a year ago, and I said he was probably the only challenger in fight because he's long, he's a good boxer. Um, I still said a year guard steamroll him. Now I got the chance to do it, so which is what I'm going to do
3: that's awesome yes. on that how do you see the fight playing out yeah predictions
1: three rounds i'm gonna knock him out and finally put him into retirement because i know he's been and you know, he's a great guy he's a great yeah. guy and he's he's um a hard worker um and which i like and there's there's no bullshit about mark lucas but he sort of he's very sporadic with his um his fights he'll fight two and then have a have a layoff and you know maybe the desire is not there or i don't know but um He's had a he's had a while off since his last spot against Randal Quinlan, and um he I think he uh, I think he just wants to go out against a a good guy and go out in a, like on a on a high, which he's not yeah. going to get that against me. He's going to go out on his back. Um, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. So um, he's it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be competitive, but I'm going to put him to bed in three. Man, awesome.
0: So I know you're not looking past Mark Lucas, but do you have any? big plans for 2021 what's your plans you mentioned michael zarafa there is that is that what you want next does that interest you
1: yeah definitely that interests me but um i don't think it interests him as much um you know he's probably in i i don't doubt he's um you know talking to the big dogs of the division you know he's he's top 10 in the world in some of the sanctioning bodies so um that could be a little bit far-fetched but I still feel, like I said, I feel like I I, I beat Michaels Rafi. He's not a middleweight. And if he keeps saying he's mm. a middleweight, he needs a he needs a fighter, true middleweight. Um otherwise mm. take it out of your Instagram bio and call yourself a super welterweight. Um <laughs> but even like um, you know, Dennis Hogan just lost, you know, he's thirty five. If if he wants to stay relevant in the sport, he can i I've hassled him a little bit on online. I don't mind hassling people online. Um <laughs> If he wants to stay relevant, he can come try shut me up. Um, you know, there's there's a few fights. Emmanuel Carlos is a great fella. Um, he's twelve and one. I know he's got to fight May first. Um, that that's an interesting fight as well, and it's it's um it's not far fetched at all as long as there's not too much you know behind the scenes going or holding people back from because it's not on a certain promotion or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's some interesting fights. Um, I would still yeah. love to smash Joel Camilleri's head in as well. Um, but, again, he's he's a super Perfect. welterweight. But he's toyed with the idea of middleweight. But um, if he ever wants to grow a set, he can get it as well. But um, <laughs> I'm
0: getting a little bit uh, nervous here. All these, all
1: these boys are
3: Maltese. We are too. Camilleri's a <laughs> the rapper. <They're> Maltese boys. <laughs> We're going to be next.
1: Uh, I was going to do it. Don't worry, bro. We got, <laughs> No. Yeah, I don't think he'll want it either. Um, yeah, there's uh, – and the current climate over in the States, it's, it's a bit rough over there, so I don't see us getting over there. But there's potentially, you know, the the chance, you know, Tim Zoo might have a big world title here. He might be able to bring someone over here with the money they got. So um, yeah. on an undercut over there and maybe bring one of the, you know – you know, say Castana is in a camp and he there might be a middleweight in his camp, bring him over like a Mexican middleweight yeah, yeah, yeah. or an Argentinian or a, an American or something like that. You know, yeah. there's always that, um, as well. So, but for now, here in Australia, I think there's Emmanuel Zarafa, maybe Hogan, if he wants to actually retire, I'll put that on him as well. Um, if wants to get belted, but other than that, <laughs> there's no one really.
0: There you um, go, there you go. So, We'll shoot even further in the future. Five years time, where is Isaac? Five years world what champion,
1: world world champion. Um, a big a big house in Tenerife overlooking the water, Brisbane River. Um, my coach's house paid off. My mum's house paid off. Um, you know, probably another dog. Um, yeah. What dog yeah, you got? Just, uh, I got a spoodle here. His name's Lomachenko. Number two (laughs) at (laughs) home. That's my (laughs) that's my beautiful fiance there. So um yeah, yeah, five years, five years is um just enjoying the fruits of my hard labor. Like and then saying that I've been in it, you know, I went professional MA when I was in 2015. So that's going on six years. Not that it's been um, you know, uh, like a ten-year journey or anything, but six years in this sport is fucking, you know, long time. It's a hustle. So um, Mm. you know, in five years I'll be in it, ten years I'll be going on 30 still hitting my straps that's the scary thing you know 30 physically in boxing is like you know 30 to 33 is the age where you really hit your straps i feel like 29 to 32 i reckon um yeah you got a good head on your shoulders you know you know what works for you um but in five years i'll be a world champion and um i have plenty of moolah in the back pocket partner will be looked after dog will be looked after everyone that's ever helped me along the way will be looked after and um We'll just be enjoying the good life. Love
0: awesome, that. Awesome, mate. Yeah. So we'll move away from fighting to finish off. What else do you like to do outside of boxing and training? Something you're watching, um, games, you're playing, books?
1: No, nah, I, oh, I try and read here and there. Um, my my fiance, she's um she's an ICU nurse. She's really smart. She tries to get me to read and stuff like that, but uh, that doesn't last long. But I do like rollerblading <laughs> with the dog. I rollerblade yeah, with the man. dog. And awesome. just hanging out with um, JaVille as well is just, um, you know, my downtime when I'm away from the sport or, you know, on the Saturday and Sundays, I don't want to have to talk about it. I still love, well, you know, I'm always on my phone looking at something, but I really just want to enjoy the time with um my fiancee, uh, really, because she's a backbone and, um, you know, and appreciate her. And because I put so much time into training and stuff like that, and I'm in the gym sweating and stinking. I just want to enjoy being normal for a day yeah. until I have to go back, being not normal sort of thing. So um, uh, yeah. I don't really do. I'm pretty simple. I don't really do too much. Um, I love a good coffee. I love yeah. a good walk. Yeah,
3: love that.
0: Love it, man. Love it, man. So we're gonna finish off with a quick few questions. We always sort of finish the podcast with. So first, we'll hit your dream opponent, any era, any time. If you can face anyone, Canelo
1: Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez. But, for sure. man.
0: Yeah, awesome. yeah, because
1: he's the cream of the crop. Like I feel like the guys back in the day, they they are tough as fuck, but they don't have the skills people these have these days. And Canelo's got it all, so he's dream opponent.
0: That's <sighs> awesome. awesome. Uh, three people you would have dinner with, dead or alive.
1: Um, Mike Tyson. Fuck, who would I? Oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> oh, mad, yeah. Yeah, 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 he's a genius and that's yeah. cuz my partner as well. I I if there's three people I've got to invite him. Um yeah. who else? Um my dad. My dad of now course. that I'm a man. Yeah. That's
3: awesome. Man. I love that. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Um what's your favorite artist or musician, band, anything like
2: that?
1: Oh, favorite artist. What do I like listening to. Um a little bit of everything. Uh like um right now what am I listening to? Billie Eilish.
2: Oh nice!
0: Yeah, nice. yeah. yeah. Billy Eilish, Ocean Is that a walkout
1: yeah, song? Yeah, for sure. Uh possibly, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Inside
2: scoop.
0: Uh last one, man. If you're on death row, what would your last meal be?
1: Oh, death row, death row, babe. Last meal, What's it going to be probably her um, or her roast pork with Ooh, uh, yeah, mushroom man. gravy. Fuck yeah! Cooked by Javille. That's it. No one else.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. There you That's go. Awesome.
0: There you go. No, nah, that's all we got for you today man we really appreciate you doing this hey this
3: is fucking
2: awesome
0: chat, i just want to it's add pleasure, in as well
3: pleasure. we've only known you for what an hour now but you seem like an absolute legend your dad would be really proud of you so keep it up oh, man you're a fucking legend
1: man. Oh, thanks man I, I really appreciate that hey that's um bring bring tea to tomorrow thank you
2: of course man. Lucky, man
0: before before you go though did you want to shout out anyone coaches sponsors anything yeah like just that?
1: Uh, my partner Javille. Um, like I said, she's the backbone. My coach Blair Dudley, Nitro Boxing. Um, all the boys there and um, all my sponsors as well. They're all incredible. A lot of moving parts to the team now. And um, you know, this is only my third fight, being back financially by some people that are seeing the um all the hard work pay off. So um, I really appreciate my whole team. It's um, I got the best team around, second to none.
0: Awesome, mate. So, and man. and where can people find you, bro? What's your socials? Just on Instagram
1: yeah just instagram hardman boxer and facebook uh athlete pages is isaac head splitter hardman so um i'm happy to talk to anyone um say hello you know if you're in brisbane tour you see me walking i'm always down here by the river say hello get a picture oh,
3: Love yeah, that. awesome, That's mate. awesome so That's
0: awesome. thank you very much for this man we really appreciate your time and we've really enjoyed this chat yeah you're a legend
1: yeah thanks man
0: so there you go guys there's that conversation with Isaac head hardman he's a killer in the ring but a damn good bloke out of it we, we hope you guys got something out of this conversation because we certainly did uh, yeah just quickly thank our sponsors again IQ Brew and Fatboy Fike for letting us do what we do make sure to like subscribe rate follow our socials follow Isaac's socials you heard it there at the end of the podcast and get you some yeah and good luck to Isaac on April 23rd good luck my man <laughs>